What's up, wild ones? This is Nika Carly, and you are listening to The Rewilding Experience. Let's get it. Mm, So, wild ones, we have a very, very, very special episode this week. I am introducing you. Uh, I mean, you might already know her, but this is my dear goddess friend, Casey. And Casey, I don't think I actually know how to pronounce your last name. (laughs) I want to say Johnson Axoy, but is that it? Yeah, that's perfect. (gasps) Yeah, you totally got it. <laughs> so this is my beautiful sacred awesome soul sister from her website is wild sexy free if you want to check her out and we can uh, chit chat a bit more about that later on but Casey is a love coach and one thing that I I mean I love so so much about you but one thing that I truly love is that you are this physical embodiment of love like every like the way that you talk and the way that you move and the way that you coach and hold space and lead ritual everything like i can feel this like this infinite pool of love just like flowing through the way that you speak and move all of it it just comes out and i'm always in awe of someone who you have Obviously, you know, like I'm all about the embodiment of whatever it is that we're here to be and whatever it is that we're here to do. And you embody love so powerfully and it, and it feels, it feels so fluid for you. Like you have this fluency, like you speak the language of love, like (laughs) sounds funny, but it really, that's, that's actually what I get from you, that you are able to embody love at this profound level and i'm curious like i I know that (laughs) that it wasn't always so fluid and just um and graceful for you Mm. so i'm curious if you can just anything that you want to share about that but specifically how you feel that that fluidity with love came to be for you and and yeah let's let's yeah let's let's start there yeah Oh, uh, first of all, thank you so, so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And that was like one of the best intros I've ever had. Yay. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Yeah. Um, it's such an interesting question because I've never really thought about it. Mm. I always feel like love has been a deep part of who I am, even as a child. Um, Love was always a super important part of how I showed up for others, Um, whether it was my family or my friends. um, It was deeply, deeply important for me to know, uh, for them to know that I loved them, that I appreciated them, that I thought the world of them. And um, I think a lot of that had to do with, I was really interested in people's humanness at a very young age. 
um, my parents always taught me about like uh, black history, the civil rights movement, slavery, and then in college, um, not in college, but in middle <laughs> school, I learned about um, the Holocaust and these things of like human experience, human suffering, human pain, like brought out so much compassion in me. Mm. And I just wanted to understand like how could lovelessness not be in humans or maybe it wasn't a human, Mm. but they didn't know how to express it. And so I think that was my first journey of learning like what is love? How do you show love? How do you show compassion? How do you have empathy for other people and what they're going through in their lives? Um, Yeah, and it just kind of grew from from there. And I think a little from a a subconscious place, (laughs) I wasn't always conscious of like being an embodiment of love, Um, but it was always there. It was always a part of who... um, who I was and who I am today. Yeah, oh, I love that. Mm. I, I love your love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I know that you and I have talked a lot about pleasure yes. and pleasure in both Casey and I um, went through the same sex love and relationship certification at different times, but same program. And we talk, so our conversations <laughs> definitely <laughs> include a whole lot of sex and eroticism and, yes. and pleasure as well as love. And we've been talking lately about pleasure and how, how pleasure has become colonized and how pleasure has become something that people of color, um, BIPOC, wherever we happen to be in the world, that pleasure is almost this... Um, this thing that feels either unattainable or something that is for the other. Um, And even when we accept and receive pleasure, that there can be a bit of a charge, that there's some underlying emotional residue and muck with it. So uh, I would love if you can give us some insight as to just what does pleasure mean for you and how is that either shown up in your life or how has it not been there when you were looking for it? Mm. Yeah. For me, pleasure is simple. Mm. It is so simple. Um, I remember I was sharing with someone what I found personally pleasurable Mm. in my everyday life. And honestly, it's walking my dog in our neighborhood and our neighborhood is so beautiful and I live in West Hollywood California and the neighborhoods here are just absolutely gorgeous and there's flowers everywhere there's succulents there's trees there's lavender bushes there's um there's uh hummingbirds like I have hummingbirds come to my balcony every day because I have plants on on my balcony and 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 there's bees and the smell of honeysuckle in the air and to me it's these things that like bring me pleasure it's bringing my senses alive it 
causes me to remember that I am in a living body and I get to experience simple pleasures every single day. And even having like roses in my house is pleasurable. Having a clean home is pleasurable. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's like, you, you know, pleasure that I purchase where like a massage is like much needed. I have a membership (laughs) and I would get a massage every month um, or a facial or even just like buying delicious perfume is pleasurable to me. And for me, there's a scale, Uh, you know, pleasure does not have to be bought. It can be free or you can buy the most expensive pleasurable thing that your heart desires. Um, And then there's everything in between. But I think it's important when talking about pleasure that that is clear, that it doesn't have to be bought. I think that a lot of people, when they think about pleasure, they think, oh, well, I don't have the money to experience pleasure. Mm. Um, You know, pleasure's too expensive. Pleasure's not accessible. Um, And that's not true. Whatever brings you joy and aliveness in your body that is what pleasure is, at least for me personally. But I want, my desire is to, to let people know that pleasure is accessible, aliveness in your body is accessible, tantalizing your senses um, is accessible. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, did I answer your question? Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> And I, it's so, it's so interesting how we can really drop into pleasure as, as this sensory experience that we can have in our life if we choose it. And pleasure for me, um, and we were just talking before, before we started recording, um, that like, if like that turn on, like me as a creator, like it's gotta be there. It, it, it actually is essential for me to to do what I came here to do to be who I came here to be but I feel um, a lot of BIPOC black indigenous people of color specifically um, women we are taught that that pleasure it's not essential that it is something that is kind of um, extraneous like it's just like uh, I mean it's, you know, do, be responsible, do these things, you know, <laughs> get ahead and, you know, pleasure it. Eh. So can you speak to, to pleasure as, as uh, almost as a, as a gateway to, and I know you talk about like having that love affair with yourself. So can pleasure be a gateway into, into living your best life, into, into yes, having more success, yes, having um, a better sex life, yes, having um, more impact and meaning. So it, it is pleasure, do you feel that it's essential, one? And, and if it is, can it, be, can it be a portal to something that we think we have to get outside of pleasure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a... Beautiful question because mm-hmm. um, whew, living in like a very cis- cisgender, white, patriarchal, mm-hmm. capitalistic world, <laughs> mm-hmm. we are given the message that you have to work hard. You work hard 
and then you get something out of it. You work hard and then you get something out of it. And I remember, it's so funny, I was having this conversation with my husband last night Mm -hmm. where I was telling him, I grew up with the the frame of mind that um, I had to work. And that was it. I had to work to make money. I had to work to get good grades in school. I went to summer school because I wanted to graduate early so I could go to college early so I could (laughs) start, you know, my career early and get all the success. And I didn't find any pleasure in this. It's just what I thought I had to do to get ahead. And then this thought of when I even came into, um, it was actually during the, the program that we went through, the coaching mm. program we went through, um, where pleasure was even introduced to me. Mm. Um, living a pleasurable life, experiencing yeah. pleasure in my body, uh, creating from pleasure, uh, being successful from a space of pleasure, uh, making money from a place of pleasure, like all of these things were completely foreign to me because I thought in order for me to be successful, I had to suffer and mm-hmm. it had to be painful and mm-hmm. it had to be, it can't, couldn't be enjoyable. And if it was enjoyable, then I wasn't taking it seriously. I wasn't taking mm-hmm. my work seriously. I wasn't taking my life seriously. And I would, you know, um, I, I was acting a fool, basically. <laughs> like, I hear my grandma. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> out there acting a fool. <laughs> so this idea that I could make choices in my life from a space that felt good, would, like it, it really confused me, <laughs> to be completely honest. Yeah, yeah. But then when the more I started to practice pleasure, the more that I started to fall in love with who I was Mm. and just really like gave myself permission to be who I was in all of my glory and all of my failure and all of my um, you know, saying the wrong thing, saying the right thing, what have you in my humanness and my wholeness, things started to like shift in my life. Yeah. Like I was happy for the first time in a really long time. I was able to have like really beautiful open conversations with my husband that we, that was not accessible before. And was much like they needed to be had like those conversations needed to be had um i unexpectedly quit my job (laughs) 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 then i found another one that was much more fulfilling and Mm. i was around people that inspired me and i respected and i loved and um and I had like flexibility and I was able to do the things I actually enjoy, like travel and not have someone, you know, have to answer to other people yeah. um, about my time and, you know, how I make money. So the path to pleasure or the path of pleasure led me to a place where I could really start making choices from a powerful place. 
Mm. I can start making choices from a space of like that served me. And that was in full alignment of uh, who I was and who I was becoming. And, um, and don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's a, it's a continuing. <laughs> yes. Always. It's, a, it's, it's like, it's, it, I have to continue to remind myself and, the the moment that things start to feel like a struggle, the moment that things start to feel hard, I'm like, ooh, where's pleasure? Where mm-hmm. is it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I really have to be like, okay, Casey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bring it on back. Bring it on yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mm, th- this, I love that you, you spoke to like, power um and and that that uh that grandma ancestral voice of like okay if you're if you're not working hard then you're acting a fool like you you there there, it's almost there is this um this um friction point or um uh a, a chasm between pleasure and everything else that we think that we want in our lives or that we think we, we should want, or that we, we want to have or need to have. And when we have that, um, hmm, when we have that, that place of disintegration, there's a cost. There's a cost in our lives, there's a cost in our relationship, there's a cost in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And, and I would love for you to share um, what do you believe the cost of pleasure or, or not having pleasure? What is the cost in, in, in bodies of color for not accessing pleasure? Or if it feels more aligned, what is the cost of actually having pleasure in bodies of color? Hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I think the cost is reprogramming. (laughs) And reprogramming means that you have to come up against who you are and who you thought, you know, who you, who you thought you were. And those are some big questions to come up against. Um, especially being, you know, speaking from being in a black body and I identify as a woman, you know, pleasure is only for, (laughs) (laughs) pleasure is only for your man. Mm. Mm experiencing pleasure in your body has to be experienced with someone else. Mm. And so the cost of like owning your pleasure fully and not having it depend on having a partner in your life or not. um, The cost is a a lot of people, (laughs) A lot of people like questioning you of like, um, mm, thinking mm. that you're a slut, 
Mm -hmm. It's not for one person and you choose to like experience pleasure from multiple people or multiple bodies or even by yourself. Right. (laughs) Like it's seen like, oh, you, oh, you think you're somebody or, Mm -hmm. oh, you're, you're a slut or you're fast or, um, um, Basically, there's a lot of shame that comes with owning your pleasure fully. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I grew up in, um, in church. I went, I went to church and um, I remember it was always the woman's responsibility to... Um, to basically keep the men away. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was always, and, mm-hmm. and, and growing up, um, you know, I, I, a young black girl in, in an all black church, it was very much taught that like pleasure was supposed to be experienced in marriage. Yes. Pleasure is experienced um um with a man mm-hmm. and pleasure is the woman's responsibility to give to her partner mm-hmm. and anything outside of that context is wrong basically mm-hmm. yeah and so growing up with that message, it's like, well, where do you think you're going to experience pleasure? <laughs> okay, well, I guess I need to find myself a man. <laughs> but then from, but then from, um, from a, a man's point of view, a, mm. a, a black body male, it's it's almost like it it just it, it's a disservice to him as well because it's like you're not a real man mm. unless you are not even giving pleasure unless you're receiving it. Mm. Yeah. So there's this disbalance. There's 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 an imbalance of of giving and receiving experience being the experiencer and um and it just creates a lot of confusion and chaos and i see it i i saw it in myself i saw it in in my friends i saw it in my friends who um chose to have you know pleasure sex outside of marriage and Mm -hmm. ended up having children and how ostracized they were uh kicked out of the community and yeah. even if they weren't fully kicked out of the community, they weren't e- emotionally supported. Um, and so seeing this as, as, a, as a kid, seeing this as someone who is also very, was also very sexual, mm-hmm. um, it, it caused me to have a shame um, relationship with pleasure. Yeah. If I was experiencing pleasure, I automatically like felt shame right afterwards. Mm-hmm. 
And that was my experience. And I had to basically unbrainwash myself from that experience. Yeah. Mm. I I, I can totally relate to being um, a kid growing up in a black church and having, uh, there are some very specific values (laughs) that come with (laughs) with growing up in a black church, just like there are very specific values that grow up with being, you know, in whatever religious community um, you grew up in, whoever you might be listening. Mm. And as a child, I was all like, I mean, I was always very sensually alive and just like sexually, like just like in my body and just like, oh yes. And I can totally relate to feeling that disconnect of, well, um, if I, if I love God, which I do, then how do I also be this sexual being who adores pleasure in all forms? Yes, sexual pleasure, but also just the pleasure of uh, of like the wind caressing your body and caressing your skin and just like oh, and and, and creating and and there there is uh, this very pervasive um, doctrine that says you know. Pleasure is, is not sacred. Pleasure is not holy. Pleasure is other than, than, you know, than God. And when we, and regardless of whether you are religious, still religious, never religious, whatever it might be, if you do feel that connection to God source, like great mystery, and you also want to enjoy being down here in your human body, there is this there is this dissonance that has been brought on mm-hmm. by society and, and, and cultural mores and all the things. How do we make pleasure holy once again? Mm-hmm. Mm. That is such a beautiful question. Mm. And The the first time, I think, so for me, the first time that I was, it was ever introduced to me that you can experience the divine mm-hmm. in your body, through your body, and the portal to the divine is experiencing pleasure and feeling good in your body. Mm. I was like, my mind was blown. It made so much sense because I definitely, like, I, I definitely believe in like a, in source and, and, and a God um, that, I, I mean, definitely something that is much greater than us. And if they were a part of that creation, how could feeling good in your body, experiencing pleasure, and all of the beauty that is around us, how, how could that have not been a part of the plan? Like, how? And I feel... It is, if I were, if, if, if I and every child were taught 
that their body is a direct, like they have direct access to the divine through their body. Mm-hmm. And the source of that is through pleasure. I mean, just like I said before, like looking at a flower in awe. Yes. And connecting to something greater than you in, in that feeling of like aliveness in, in your senses, like that is bringing God into pleasure. Mm. And it's so simple. It's, it's so, so simple. Uh, being taught that this great, powerful being is not a part of you and it's mm. outside of you. Yes. Like, and you can't, you can't access it unless you live your life in a certain, like accordingly. And not only that, you can't access it until you're no longer in human form. Like, that's terrifying. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's terrifying. So scary. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, we end up living our life just waiting to, to, to die and ascend to, um, to this surreal space in which we can finally know God and yeah. know pleasure and, and, and be able to relax, right? Like, you'll actually get <laughs> to chill out and enjoy the quote-unquote afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. And what's crazy to me about that too is there's another layer because pleasure is innately a part of who we are and what we experience as a human. And so if we don't allow ourselves to experience pleasure in this body while we're here on this planet, I mean, we're still going to experience it, but the thing is that's when like the shadow side of yes. pleasure comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let, let's, let's touch on, let's touch on the shadow of pleasure because this, this is, it, it's such a prolific shadow, whereas um, we become either over-sexualized, we become addicted to either act, like sex itself, or we become addicted to um, like attention that really is not serving us or serving the other party or parties. We can become addicted to to drugs, to like so many things when we are in the shadow side of our sexuality because we're we're living in shame and guilt and suppressed rage, right? Our our body wants that liberation, craves that liberation. And when we don't have that either from outside forces or from ourselves at this point, right? If we are now the ones shackling our own pleasure, Mm -hmm. we are walking that shadow side. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious as to you and I both move in, um, we move in spaces of color. We move in white spaces. We are predominantly white spaces. <laughs> we add in a little color there and we, and we move in, in, in mixed spaces as well. Mm-hmm. And we, we teach this work and we, um, we study this work and, um, in all of those spaces. And I'm curious, how does that shadow side of pleasure, how, how do you notice it? 
is it different? Um, like, I know you just came off of a, of a huge talk, you know, down South and like, is it different? Is that shadow showing up different in the different spaces that you find yourself in around this work, around pleasure? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting because when, uh, so yeah, I went to the Sex Down South conference mm -hmm. in Atlanta and yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it's so it's so fitting that it's in Atlanta because from my experience from <laughs> being in Atlanta yes, yes. hearing things about Atlanta <laughs> it's, it's a whole like, different ball game <laughs> it's a whole other ball game it's so interesting it's like how can one city be so like I feel like like sexually out there like, right? like really yes it's, it's so, it is lit sex is lit sex is lit they, yes. <laughs> like, they do not they do not play um, <laughs> and so and, and being in predominantly uh, a predominantly black space mm -hmm. created specifically for um for for black indigenous um people of color mm -hmm. um to talk about sex yeah to um ex experience pleasure to um have really hard conversations about um decolonizing um sex decolonizing pleasure um and basically like how do we liberate ourselves so we can even start to feel pleasure in our bodies mm -hmm. um last year was the first time I, I i went to the conference and i was just like my mind was blown because <laughs> one i had never i had i had never been in a space of mostly um of black bodies talking mm -hmm. about sex talking about bdsm talking about um t like being tied um being tied up like the, mm -hmm. the art of mm -hmm. like, yes. Tied. yes um talking about like like twerking as yeah. a form of liberation <laughs> or like <laughs> like all all of these conversations that are usually not even spoken about right in <laughs> black community right like you don't you don't talk about sex mm -hmm. you you don't talk you definitely don't talk about like ta like taboo quote, yeah. you know air bondage quote. what yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly um uh conversation not, yeah like <laughs> non-binary what we don't <laughs> that, no <laughs> and to have have all these like quote unquote shadow you know aspects of mm. sex like brought up into yeah. the daylight at yeah. a, <laughs> at a whole, in, in like a conference space <laughs> was truly truly revolutionary mm. and um I'll, I'll speak to like specifically for uh for um mostly black communities when it mm -hmm. comes to pleasure and sex and how it can slip into the shadow. Um, I mean, 
there is rampant like homophobia in yes. black spaces. Yes. Yes. Like it's it, you know, um, and it's not, it's so, it's so interesting because it's one of those things where it's like, especially in black church at churches, it's like, Oh, the choir director. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. You know? Behind the like, hand. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Behind the hand. Like, yes. Oh, you, you know, so-and-so. Yes. Um, yes. or, um, it's like, Oh, he's, oh, he's on the down low, mm. um, you know, or, yep. uh, um, let alone talk about, you know, lesbian relationships. Right. I, I, you know, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's very, but it begs to question like, well, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Like where, where, where did that come from? Yeah. Is that even of us? Is that even, you know, a part of our initial culture right of course we don't know yeah and then um oh my gosh there's so many places this (laughs) (laughs) can I offer can I offer a a space to okay um I love that I love that you mentioned decolonizing right like this is this is something that we you and I talk about um probably at length right Uh, uh, uh in specifically in this this space of 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 sexuality of of freedom um sovereignty in our own bodies and there is um i was leading a call yesterday where we were talking about play in bodies of color and how how hard that is because it has felt dangerous and um unsafe to drop into play Mm -hmm. and i feel like pleasure has it's in that same vein and talking about these quote-unquote taboo which (laughs) taboo subjects which like really is 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 bondage is lbgtqia plus like is is it is it taboo like no how about it's just humaning right like we're all like we're we're here humaning but it's become um in quote unquote mainstream um it's been taught and it's it, it it is pervasively taught that it is outside of what is acceptable and i feel like it all goes back into that colonization of of people groups of of uh, of bipoc people groups, where if we can strip away pleasure, if we can strip away anything that feels innate or um, hmm, or welcoming, hmm. accepting, if we can cause this derision and get you to a place where you now segregate yourselves. Uh, our, our work is pretty much done. Like, I mean, we'll throw a few things in here and there, but you now help to, to perpetuate the colonization in your own people groups. And, uh, and I feel like we do this with pleasure. I mean, I feel like people of color, we do this in many ways. The, 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 the light skin, dark skin debate, the, the black versus brown versus indigenous, like what's the versus, right? Like mm-hmm. why, why does everything have to be so separated in order to, for someone to be better than, or to have more, 
when we bring in pleasure, when we bring in this colonization, when we bring in like, oh, how is it that these things are so taboo? How are people like our, how are our black trans sisters being, be, be, being murdered at such a, at, Mm, I, I don't even have words for the situation in which we find ourselves because, and, and it's a large part that goes back to, to this colonization of allowing black, brown, indigenous bodies to simply be without that segregation and without, that, um, without the taboo and the shame and the guilt. So can you speak to, how do you see that Specifically, this can be in spaces of color, uh, melanated spaces. How do you see, like, how do we begin decolonizing pleasure? How do we begin, begin accepting one another, regardless of how we identify or don't identify? How do we decolonize our experiences of pleasure, of love, of sexuality with one another? Like, how, how do, where do we begin within our own communities? Mm. Yeah, the first, the first thing that came up for me in my body mm. was like, <laughs> we have to address our own anti-Blackness. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because, and then the second thing that came up for me is because a lot especially when, when you speak of the homophobia, the transphobia mm-hmm. within the community and the separation that we create amongst yeah. ourselves, yeah. It, it, can, it all kind of goes back to how, like what's our proximity to whiteness? Mm-hmm. Not only whiteness, it's cis- white, male, <laughs> yes. whiteness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, how <clears throat> close can we get to this idea <clears throat> of, like, if we are close to the white male, like, white cis male experience, yeah. then we've made it. Mm. And if I have to deny parts of myself and parts of other people within my community I am willing to do that Mm. and of course this isn't like a conscious conversation (laughs) that I understand um because I definitely the more that I've dived into um uh, healing my body and and self-love and pleasure and desire and play I had to face my own anti-blackness yes yes so I like I get it this is not mm-hmm. like <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm in the choir <laughs> like, yes yeah. so. we're all in the choir okay we're all in the choir I am all in the choir <laughs> we're all there um, <laughs> um yeah we that's where we have to begin and then Mm. also start with um defining these things for ourselves 
Yes. 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 Defining these things for ourselves, like, you and and not and not even as a before you even go to community level. I'm talking about like for yourself as a human being, individual. Yeah. What is pleasure to you? Yeah. What is desire to you? What is play to you? And you have to start unpacking. I mean, we talked about this the other day of just like <laughs> all the levels yeah. of unpacking and deconditioning that has to happen, especially mm-hmm. in a body of color. Yes. Because you have, or like we have been taught to hate ourselves, yep. that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, um, that we'll never be good enough because mm-hmm. of the color of our skin, of something that we cannot change. Right. Like if you are given that message over and over and over again, not through generations. Yes. Yes. Of hundreds of like hundreds of hundreds of generations yes. of people. And not only is it given to you through the like messaging of um, the messaging of uh, society, mm-hmm. but it's also messaging in family. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like like you you're never gonna be anything unless you are ten times better than this other person. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I can't be t- like? What <laughs> if it's just not in me to be ten times better, and not because of the color of my skin or like. Right. Just because maybe I don't want to be. Maybe it's right. as plain as that. Maybe I don't want to be. Right. So what does that maybe. mean that I'm not going to be shit for the rest right. of my life? Right. Because I don't want to play this comparison and one-upmanship game. Like, oh, so you just, you ain't shit now. <laughs> That's your exactly. life. Welcome exactly. to it. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's, you know, it's fed to us in media. It's fed, like, I, um, <laughs> I went to, um, amoeba the amoeba music uh store it's like this Mm. huge store in LA and it's like it's kind of it's more of like a landmark because it just has like music and records and dvds Mm. and vhs's it's crazy and I went there and I was like looking at like all the vhs's and I was just like looking at like everyone who was like all the movies and I was like man this is a lot of white bodies that I like. I grew up with. Yes. Just looking back and you're like, wow, <laughs> that was a whole lot of conditioning. Yeah. A whole lot, that was of, a whole lot of conditioning. Yeah. So, yeah, and, so, oh, go ahead. No, oh, you go, oh, you go. Okay. So I was just going to say before I can even, before like, you know, we or me or you or whoever (laughs) can start to even get to a place of defining like pleasure, desire, play, all the things. It's like you have to really start uh, on a community level. You have to start on an individual level and really start to unpack like, okay, do I Hmm. like myself? Right. (laughs) And if I don't like myself, why is that? 
Yeah. And is that true? It, what is that even based off of? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's based off of everything I've been fed. And then there's a big question mark of who am I in yes. all of this? Yes. Yes. Because I thought I was this person, but finds out like that was, <laughs> that was someone else's creation of who mm. they thought I should be and how I should move in this world. Yeah. Mm. And it and like going back to play, it's like, um, you know, it a, a lot of it is based off of like survival, right? Yes, one hundred percent. So like 100%. you're basically created into this image of like a person who can survive in the world. Yes, basically. Yes. So how there is no room for play mm. if you're too busy. <laughs> being a person who can just survive. survive. Yeah. Armor is already on. So play is not play and pleasure are not on the table. Yeah. This there is, I mean, which is something, you know, I'm super passionate about and I know that you're super passionate about is this, this systemic and institutionalized racism um, and how that shows up in bodies of color, specifically around sex, love, relationships, and our own liberation. And there is just like that, that um, like, who am I? When, when your people group has been so horrifically uprooted and, um, and practically wiped out on, on, many, um, on many levels with many people groups, there is this a sense of kind of floating, like, who am I? Well, if this is who I was taught I am, this is the encoding that I received. Well, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to that with everything that I've got, because without it, who am I? And, and we, get these, we get these archetypes of, uh, of this is who you are as a Latinx. This is who you are as a Black American versus um, an African body. This is who you are as, as an Indian woman in, you know, in Can uh, Canada, in Canada <laughs> versus America or, or, or the States versus uh, like whatever it is. We have all of these things as to this is who you are if you are in this people group. Um, and we have all of these archetypes that tell us like this is the box in which you need to fit. Mm. And there uh, there is a very pervasive archetype of of women of color um, by by walk of, of of us being like the uh, I definitely do not fit into this archetype but there is a very pervasive archetype of of being submissive and 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 being the people pleaser and being the caretaker which obviously comes down it it has been so wholeheartedly institutionalized into bodies of color that women by walk are you like you, you need to take care of everyone else and you need to be in that, in that people pleasing role. Don't worry about your own pleasure. Don't worry about, you don't have time to play. You don't get to play because your body is not your own. It is here for the service of, of those around you. This, this impacts the capacity we have to receive pleasure and for it to feel safe for us to receive pleasure, for us to, to feel like we still have touch or are in touch with our identity as a bywalk if we experience pleasure. Can you, 
can you tell us, can you tell us what you feel? Like, what does your body experience when you eat, even if there's any part of that archetype that you found in yourself, or if it's an archetype that you find in other uh, biowalk around you, like what comes up in your body, even just like thinking about breaking that stereotype, breaking that, that institutionalized archetype. It's so funny that you bring this up because <laughs> I was having this conversation with myself <laughs> this morning. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, like let's ser- serious, seriously. And mm. I was, thinking about how I was conditioned, I was raised yeah. to worry about my, my family, mm-hmm. my friends, my community, uh, basically everyone else. I was the very last person yes. on the, on the, the list. Um, and, and I was <laughs> thinking yeah, what would happen if I put myself at the top of the list? Mm. And I, I had this reaction in my body of, well, people are going to think you're selfish. People are going to yeah. think that you, that you don't care. Um, mm. And basically, selfish was the, the biggest. <laughs> yeah. like, like being selfish is like a cardinal sin. Mm. And... Uh, at least like my, my family, or at least like what I've experienced in my family and my community. It's like, you are not a selfish person. Yeah. You put, you know, you put everyone else before you. Uh, And I, and I see it, I see it perpetuated in, in, in my mom. Um, I see it perpetuated in, um, in my aunt sometimes, like, I see it being perpetuated in my family members, especially the women where it's like, um, okay, I'm going to give of myself. I'm going to give of myself to the point where it's, when it's time for you to eat, there's no food left. Right. And if there is food, <laughs> like, you know, it's like you get the, the crumbs. Scraps. Yeah. Yeah. You get the scraps and like, you, you know, you make do with the scraps. And, and at first it's like, I'm not going to lie. Like at first, the scraps taste good. You're like, Oh, okay. Like I got something. I'm happy. I even got something on my plate. And you're just like, okay, I'm eating the scraps. I'm eating the scraps. And then after a while, it's like scraps again. Okay. (laughs) Oh, scraps again. And then you get to the point where you get resentful that there are even like that you get the scraps. Yes. And it, and it, and it builds, it's so insidious because like, cause you feel good that you're giving to your family and they're mm. taken care of and they feel good and they're happy. But then the more where you feel, uh, unnourished, yep. you feel depleted, you feel tired, you feel worn out because scraps are not enough to sustain you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but there, but there, but then it's like the fear of like you, you become resentful that you get the scraps, but then there's a fear of, well, what if I want more than the scraps? Mm, yes. And you're like, oh, well, shit. That's a thought. <laughs> okay. Well, I shouldn't have that thought because you've been trained that scra- the scraps should be enough. Right. At least, at least you got some scraps. Yeah. Why are you complaining? You got scraps. Yeah. Why are you Other complaining? people don't even have scraps. Exactly. What's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. 
So yes. to even think that you, you want more than what you are getting is like, it just, it can cause turmoil in your body. It can cause mm -hmm. it to, to oh, like spin out sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you're, and then you're like, you're spinning and you're like, okay, okay. Scraps are good. Scraps are good. <laughs> mm, scraps. <laughs> I love me some scraps. Love me some scraps. Mm. <laughs> you know, I just so, had a Chris Rock moment of yeah. oh, ribs. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I'm back. <laughs> But you know, but but then it but then it also goes. <laughs> I feel like it all always goes back to decolonizing yourself because yeah. that's that's also like what you've been you've been taught to to like accept. Yeah, like we gave you scraps. Yeah, like what more do you want? <laughs> Your ancestors didn't even have scraps, so how dare you complain about scraps? Yeah. 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 And this is what we like systemically, this is what we've given you. Like, this is what, this is what bodies of colors get. You get scraps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like completely. Yeah. Mm. Completely. And it's so, it's so interesting because, um, what keeps coming up to me is like entitlement. I've actually been mm -hmm. thinking about this a lot about mm -hmm. how I almost feel I don't, I don't agree with the title white privilege. Mm. I think it's, it, I think it's the wrong, the, I think it's the wrong use of words. Hmm. There's almost like a, um, a it's, it should be more labeled white entitlement hmm. because when you think about like, poor communities of color versus mm -hmm. poor communities of white bodies. Mm -hmm. There's this sense of like, if you want more as a, 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 as a poor person of color, yeah. then like, okay, you want to make more of yourself, but like for poor, for poor white communities um, or poor people in white bodies, there's a sense of like, well, I should have more. Like, yeah. how dare I, this happen to me? Yeah, like, yeah. I should have more. Yeah. Like, like, okay, yes, I don't, but I should. Whereas in, <laughs> but as in like, <laughs> in, 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 uh, in, in communities where there are people of color, uh, they, and, and they, they don't have as much. It's like, there's a sense of like, okay, I have to work hard if I mm -hmm. want more in my life. Right. Yeah. And if, if I don't have what I want, then I must have not worked as hard as I should have been working. Yeah. And it's just in, on, on both sides of the, or like on both sides of the fence, there needs, yeah. there, there's a sense, there is a, a need of decolonizing. Yes. Because there's, <laughs> there's colonization in, uh, on both sides. 100%. The side of like, I need to work harder because if I don't work hard, then I won't have what I want. And then the other side of the of entitlement of like, no. I should have this because that's what I've been taught for generations and generations and generations because of the color of my skin, like this yeah. is what we should have. Right. But it's so insidious because 
again, these are not conscious conversations. These are like, this is what we've been fed for so long that it just becomes a part of our, our identity and we don't even question it. Yeah. Yes. This, this conversation of entitlement and privilege and like, there's so many aspects, fragility, like there are so much there um, that continues to perpetuate the colonization of bodies of color. And when hmm, there is this, this, like this, like friction, like there's this, um, this big, huge, like gap between bodies of color being like, okay, I've got scraps and I want more. And then also when we, when we do want more, when we want more than the scraps with, with our pleasure, with our love, with our sexuality, with just with, with our sense of belonging and being safe in, in our own bodies. Mm-hmm. And when we want more, there is also this, this friction, this, this huge gap between, um, between our communities of like, how dare you step outside of everyone else who maybe doesn't want more or doesn't feel safe to want more. And so they're not going for more. And mm-hmm. so then you now become that outlier within the community that you still want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. You are now an outlier or an outsider for, for daring to want more than scraps, for wanting this you know, erotic remembrance in your own body, for wanting relationships that, that, are, that, that bring you into conscious partnership, um, for wanting more than whatever society and, um, and, and the institutionalized idea of, of what it means to be a person of color outside of what that, that encoding has told you, you you can have, outside of the scraps. So mm-hmm. how do we how do we bridge that gap from still feeling like it's safe and that we are still uh, we can still belong to the people group like it, we we are still secure in our identity of of who we are and also uh, yeah <laughs> I want more I want more than the scraps how do we bridge that gap within our bodies how do we how do we bring in that safety um, into our nervous system? How do we decolonize? It's almost like, how do we decolonize our nervous system to bridge that gap? Mm, yeah. Oh, that's a good one because I feel like I have always been that, that person in my group of friends mm. where I like, I was like, I want, like, I want the moon and the stars and I want like, <laughs> I want it all. Yeah. And you know, there were uh, people who would basically downplay, you know, my desires and mm-hmm. be like, oh, you think you're better than me? Oh, you think you're smart? Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that felt like, oh, is it not okay to be smart? Like, is it not okay yes. to be intelligent? Is it not okay yes. to like want to make money and like be rich? Which sometimes I still have that feeling where I'm like, but I want to be rich. Is that okay? Is is that, yeah, like, is that okay? Or am I, am I now ostracized? Exactly. Like, yeah. or am I now, like, I'm, I'm, I'm the man. Like, I, right, I'm yeah. You all said Diddy. You, yeah. you said Diddy now. Look at Casey. Exactly. Yeah. You all uppity and everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, but, but then, but then, you know, um, I think, 
in those moments, you really have to look at our grandparents, our great grandparents, and what they went through. Yeah. And in my experience with my family, it's like they always wanted more. And not only do they want more for themselves, they want it more for their children. They want it more for their grandchildren. Yeah. Um, my, I was talking to my mom about my great grandma and my, and um, she was like, yeah, your, your great grandma like always wore like the nicest clothes and always wanted like the nicest things. Cause she, she's, uh, she used to say, I don't want to see myself coming and going. So she didn't want to see other people <laughs> in what she's wearing. <laughs> so that's why she wore expensive clothes. And when I heard that, that is I was amazing. Like, I know, right? I was uh, like, go ahead, girl. Right? <laughs> so, oh God, I love that. And so when I heard that, I was like, I was like, whoa, okay. Well, that is really, that's interesting information. One, that explains a lot about who I am and like why I like nice things. <laughs> right? <laughs> And then, and then too, it just, it reminds me that there was a whole generation that came before us mm. who fought, yes, literally fought mm. for our right to, to do better and have better. Yeah. Yeah. And not do better in the sense of like action and you know like work hard like, get work yeah hard. grind yeah. yeah yeah like i'm not talking about like yeah like grinding i'm i'm talking about like having the space to even think about decolonizing mm. your pleasure or your yes. desire or your yes. sexuality yes. like they didn't have that mm. that luxury right Right. You know, like they didn't have that luxury. They were, yeah. they were literally fighting in the streets for just simple or what we may find simple, but like right. everyday rights yes. to, to eat at a restaurant of their choice, yes. to walk in the front of a hotel room or yeah. a hotel building yeah, where they may have been performing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Instead of, you know having to yeah. go through the like with the with the like through the service um, yes entrance entrance thank you yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> so so I think I um when we when we start having these conversations I, I I I for me it's important to remember that like my not only did my my great grandparents my great 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 grandparents mm. really fight for their rights our rights but they also wanted more yeah yeah and that was and that was oh that was okay yeah that, that was okay and and so um of course, there's, there's always going to be people within a community that sees someone doing, quote unquote, better right. than that. Yeah. Or what doing the most. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, uh, 
there has to be a sense of compassion mm. because as we talk about all the unpacking that ha- that still has to be done yes that's really scary yeah that is really scary and i completely understand why someone would see another person you know having these big desires for themselves mm-hmm. And secretly, that person probably wants the same thing, but just Mm. can't see the vision for themselves. Yeah. Or that it could be safe for someone, yeah, to someone who looks like you or me or this or that. Like, ooh, how it's not safe for us to do that. Like, we can't. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And I think that kind of circles back around to to pleasure and creating safety in your your nervous system or um to even to even even start desire mm-hmm. like having desires in your life mm-hmm. um the importance of pleasure the the importance that pleasure plays when creating a nervous system that can withhold manifesting that desire. Yes. Like you need, like pleasure is the key, like creating, yes. creating a um, inner ecology that feels good, that, um, that feels alive and vibrant. Um, it's really important. And you, you need pleasure as that, as that foundation. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this has been like this has been so good I feel like we could go there's like so there's there's so much so that we could continue to unpack here so maybe you will uh do us the honor of coming back again when we can go even deeper in and <laughs> go off on more tangents in, in this <laughs> conversation together. Uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, I would love that so much. Yay. Uh, oh, Casey, it has been such a pleasure. Uh-uh. It's been such a pleasure having you. And I would love for, can you share how, listeners can find you, how they can connect with you and what you are up to in the world. Yeah. Mm. So you can find me at wildsexyfree.com. That's my website. And you can also find me on Instagram by the same name, wildsexyfree. That's the handle. Um, And then what I am currently up to is I have actually been inspired uh, yeah. to create a um, an online uh, masterclass around mm. play and pleasure and how you can <laughs> create more play and pleasure in your life and just kind of like um, basically play and pleasure 101, like yes. the very basics. If this yes. is brand new to you, yep. um, I want it to feel easy, um, accessible, and like you can start doing it that day, like as soon as you get off the call. Um, So I'll be planning that in a couple of weeks. So if you're interested, keep an eye out on 
my Instagram or my, um, my website. Beautiful. Oh, yes. And, and is it going to specifically be for BIPOC, BIWOC? Is it, um, or is it just kind of for anyone who feels called? Um, this workshop will be for anyone who feels called to. Awesome. to Yay. Okay. So anyone who is listening and you want more pleasure and play and it feels like, oh, like that, that thing that is like just crawling through and, and undulating into your body right now, I invite you to connect with Casey at Wild Sexy Free on Insta or over on her site. And we would love to hear from you. So um, you can always continue the conversation on Instagram. My handle is, of course, at Nika Carly. (laughs) 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 Or connect connect with Casey. You can DM us or any of that stuff. If you listen to this, please screenshot the episode and tag us both so that we can like cheer you on and thank you and celebrate you for being here with us. Casey, thank you so much. This was like the bestest. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. This is so amazing. Ah, oh, yay. All right, wild ones, wherever you are in this big, beautiful world of ours, have an amazing day or night. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, here's to your untaming. Bye, wild ones.